You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everyone and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. I'm pretty good. Good to be here. It is good to be here. I, you know, I really do look forward to our Tuesdays. Well, actually, to truth be told, right, we're doing this on a Wednesday, <laughs> the taping, but it's always nice to connect with you during the week. You're a calm presence in my life, so I love it. Well, thank you so much. And likewise, I enjoy connecting with you too. Yeah, thank you. Uh, So on to today's show. Today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. But uh, as always, we would really appreciate a follow on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We are the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. And please do continue to send us your emails. We do appreciate uh, the input. And with more and more people listening to podcasts, sending us interests that you might have or would like to hear guests speak about on the show is always very welcome for us. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the pay, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find all of our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. So we are talking today, Alex, about dreams. So I thought to get us all into the right headspace, I would just throw out a few interesting facts about dreaming and and sleep in general, so that uh, when Roger comes on and starts talking about us, we're already into that 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 mood of the dream and of the dreaming and the sleeping. So here Very we go. Very good. We just hope that we're not too relaxed. Oh, it's not. Able- they're not relaxing. In <laughs> oh. fact, one of the statistics that I'm going to talk to you about actually kept me up. So, uh, and I'll point that one out when I get to it. <laughs> Very good. Hit, hit us with it, Kathy. Hit me. Hit me. Right. of people dream in black and white. I thought this was very interesting. Uh, Of the dreams that I do recall, none of them have been in black and white. So that's, that's to me, a fairly, you know, one in 10, no, one in 12, something like that, um, dream in black and white. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Humans spend one third of their life sleeping. So... um, Shout out to having a great mattress and the mattress companies and pillow companies. You want to make sure that you're comfortable for the third of your life. So having a good sleeping regime, a good place to sleep, um, having a nice space to sleep is really important since we spend a third of our lifetime doing it. This fact, I I was, I guess, surprised at um, when I thought about it, you know, as as I was typing it in, I, I was surprised and I thought, well, that, you know what, it does make a lot of sense. Sleep deprivation will kill you more quickly than food deprivation. We can go a long time without food. I never thought of comparison of sleep deprivation and lack of food, but I I found that very interesting and another testament to the importance of sleep for our overall health. 
Yeah. Within five minutes of waking, 50% of your dreams will be forgotten. And I know uh, you and I were talking off air a bit. Um, I don't remember. I hardly remember any of my dreams. Um, so when half of them are gone, you can tell how many that I, I recall in, in any given uh, week or month, not too yeah. many of them. For, for me, for, for dreams to, to be remembered, um, it, it, it takes. It takes something special. Takes yeah, or like it starts you or yeah. it, it, yeah. it, uh, it sits you up in the middle of, of the night, something like that, something that's shocking or something, I guess. Right. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not fortunate enough to have um, the lovely dreams that, um, you know, I hear people have. But uh, Roger actually talks about that. It's, it's, it's interesting how with uh, a few strategies, we can actually start remembering more of our dreams. I'm looking forward to hearing Mm-hmm. hearing about it uh pain tolerance is reduced by sleep deprivation so the less you sleep the more you feel pain i thought that was very interesting and this is the um the fun fact that kept me awake the first night that i found out about it is ideally falling asleep at night should take 10 to 15 minutes until you know <laughs> that you should be falling asleep within 10 to 15 minutes and you're staring at the clock a half an hour later at least I was wondering just why say. you're not following you're falling asleep within 10 to 15 minutes yeah so don't ponder on that one too much but just know that generally 10 to 15 minutes is the ideal time for you to sort of wind down and fall asleep. So on to today's show, our guest today is Roger Kemmins, and he is the author of 13 books of poetry and prose, including the international bestseller, The Jew in the Lotus, and The History of Last Night's Dreams, which was featured on Oprah Winfrey's Soul Series. He has developed a unique approach to working with dreams as a path to the soul and now leads a group of 14 practitioners of natural dream work, seeing clients all over the world. He was featured on the Shift Network, where he hosted a DreamWorks Summit, and most recently on the Call Map. And this is where I uh, found out about Roger and his work. He is Professor Emeritus of English and Religious Studies from Louisiana State University, where he held the Sternberg Honors Chair. We talk about a lot of things in this, um, in this podcast, in this interview. We talk about whether or not people can strengthen their dream remembering. We talk about um, people do, does everybody dream? Um, and he, he addresses that. He talks about, or uh, we talk about how our dreams can lead to awakening of the soul. And these are all really interesting concepts. And we also talk about uh, the difference between interpreting dreams and experiencing dreams. And I found this is a very, um, a very significant piece of his work and a very interesting concept. So everybody, uh, please stay tuned for our interview with Roger. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We'll be back in a few minutes. It's a mama singing songs about the Lord It's a daddy spending family time The world says he cannot afford These simple moments change the world It's a pastor at a tiny little church Forty years of loving on the broken and the hurt These simple moments change the world 
do it all Just let Jesus use you where you are One day at a time Live well Loving God and others as yourself Find little ways where only you can help With His great love A tiny rock can make a giant fall Dream small Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, today's show is being recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Roger, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Kathy. It's a pleasure. So how did you get into this wonderful, seemingly peaceful world of dreams as your, as your career path? Uh, um, well, uh, really, I, I am and started out being uh, working as a poet from age 15 on and always felt that there was some connection between poetry and dreams, even if I couldn't quite articulate it. But I think... Um, so to begin with, just the way everyone else did, we, we all dream and we all, one time or another, feel something in our dreams that, that stays with us. So that's a simple answer. Um, I just did it like everyone else. I dreamed. 
You dreamed and tried to interpret them? Um, at first I did. Uh, years ago, I wrote a book called Terra Firma, which was really based on um, a dream I had after my mother died. Uh, um, and um, she died fairly young. And um, I used that dream to write an auto, a sort of biography of her and an autobiography of me. And I think already then I had this fascination with what dreams might hold for us. Um, so I suppose that was the beginning of mixing in my writing with my dreaming, um, although I also had a lot of poetry that came from dreams. When we, you know, when I was visiting your site, and, a, and a, obviously a, a, a crux of your work, is talking about natural dream work. What do you mean with this phraseology? Right. So dreaming is a natural experience. We all, we all dream. Um, and um, it's not that dreams are difficult, but we've become difficult in our approach to dreams. And in certain ways, we've stepped away from the fundamental simplicity of the experience of dreaming, which is an encounter with images, either um, images of things or images of persons that you know, technically are called imagos. And through these encounters and engagements, we are deeply moved. We, we feel things very deeply. So uh, one of the problems with our approach to dreaming is that, and this goes way, way back, I think, is that uh, we have a kind of uh, double heritage. We have the, what I call, you know, that goes back even to the book of Genesis, right? We have um, the, what I would call the school of Joseph, which is the idea of dream interpretation where the only thing we're supposed to do with a dream is interpret it. And we bring it to an interpreter and the interpreter brings the meaning to us. So that's a very strong tradition, but even older, I think, is what I would call the school of Jacob, where you know he dreams later, he wakes up and his world's transformed. And I would say that that is the lineage I belong to, that we all belong to naturally, that the dream naturally gives us experiences uh, from a deeply imaginative point of view, if only we can stay with them and bring them into waking life and take them seriously. So are we sort of cutting off an avenue of our imagination by trying to interpret dreams and, and, and put sort of people or places or things that pop up into our dreams, labeling them as symbols? Is that very short-sighted to you? Yes, I, I think that you said it very well, Kathy. Um, so first of all, let's start with something fundamental. Um, and um, I heard this from actually um, a radio host, WHYY, who, who said, we have feelings we don't want to feel. He's, he's quite right. Mm -hmm. And so dreams bring us to feelings we don't want to feel. What are they? Well, terror. We don't want to feel terror. We don't want to feel pain. Um, we don't want to feel disgust. And quite often our dreams bring us to these difficult feelings and give us an opportunity to feel them more deeply. Instead, we interpret. By interpreting, we run away from the feeling and go off into intellectualization, into our minds, our heads. Um, you know, so much of our experience today is mediated 
right? It comes through the media. If you think about how much of my experience is direct, sensual, immediate, and how much is coming secondhand through someone else's interpretation or opinion. So why would we want to do that with our dreams? Here's one experience of a direct experience of imagination of this wonderful capacity we have to spontaneously from moment to moment produce images full of feeling. Each of us, you have it, Kathy, I have it, everyone listening has this wonderful, wonderful gift. And it's most um, clear and manifest to us, of course, when we're asleep, because nothing else is getting in the way. So in sleep, we get to see these images that are just being, that are really the creative um, growth in us that are, that are manifesting and we get to feel them. So why not do that? That's, that's why I call it natural dream work because it's quite a natural experience, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But so is this then dreaming in your, your visualization isn't really an extension of our waking moments and experiences? Uh, that is, yeah, I'm glad you said it that way. Right, mostly what the world has done is said, what use can we make of dreams? And so we're going to interpret them and get meanings from them. You see, we, we treat them like the way, unfortunately, we treat every beautiful natural resource. You know, there's a river. What can I dump in it, right? Here's some air. What can I pollute it with, you know? We try to make use of everything, and unfortunately, we try to make use of everyone. And what would it be like if instead of seeing the dream from the world's point of view, from the point of view of the world, we started seeing the world from the point of view of the dream? If we started um, feeling more deeply and living from the feelings that our dreams bring us to? Well, so then this is, it's quite a twist from what, what we are, all, all of us, I think, trying to do is extract some type of meaning from the visions right. that we are experiencing. Right. This is not the way to go? Well, I, I don't want to be pompous and say this is the way to go, but, but mm-hmm. since you asked it that way, I'll just say, <laughs> You know, it's funny you use the word extraction. I mean, we're living right now in this whole critique of the extraction industries, you know, mm-hmm. the way we mine and pull up from the earth all, all of these um, uh, fuels and chemicals, and, and, and we're poisoning ourselves with that. So, so maybe we should stop extracting, you know, taking out, drawing. It's literally, the root means to take out and abstracting, you know, taking away from and instead go back to the immediacy of feeling in our dreams and learn the kind of the yoga of, of being closer to our feelings. You know how when you do yoga and people will say something like, um, uh, you know, feel the burn or let the pain, you know, be with the pain a little longer. Um, can we learn to do that? Can we learn to be with the pain a little bit longer, be with the uh, terror a little bit longer in order to, um, go deeper into our feelings. Of course, I left out one of the most important feelings in our dreams, which is love and joy, right? That these are also very important feelings in our dreams. And sometimes we experience a kind of love in our dreams that we haven't yet known in waking life. And that's a really wonderful, um, beautiful gift of our dreams as well. 
Is that because we are wishing that? I, I, I find it hard to separate the emotion from the uh, the evocation of a dream um, mm. because they seem to be interconnected. If we haven't experienced a profound love as you were talking about before and we experience in a dream, is that mm. coming from a place of need and want or am I, again, overthinking things? Mm. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a good question. You know, the, the old theory of dreams, it goes back to Freud, is a, a dream is a wish fulfillment. But uh, I don't experience dreams that way. I think um, when um, we have what I call a sacred encounter with a teacher or a loving person or a parental figure or a big sister or a big brother or a motherly figure who blesses us in a way with her presence, we feel it. It suffuses us. We feel it in the whole body. And mm -hmm. this experience is so powerful um, and so real in the dream, right, that um, we can carry it with us into waking life. Um, does it come as an answer to a deep need in us? Yes. Is it the product of a mere wish? No, because when that beloved figure appears and, and gives us that love, that affirmation. Uh, um, we don't feel it that way. We don't think, oh, I'm just making this person up. Um, could I give another example? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about animals and dreams. Like, you know, I had a client and she came down on an elevator with someone who was a guide and the elevator door opened and suddenly there was this enormous lion and at first she felt tremendous terror. And then from that terror, the lion approached and um, licked her face. And there was this terror and there was this tremendous feeling of love and connection. And, um, you know, in the dream, the lion was not a symbol. We don't, there are no symbols in dreams, right? In the dream, the lion was a lion. And that's how we experience our dreams. The whole idea of the symbol only happens when we wake up and interpret. Then, oh, this symbolizes this, and what does it mean? What does it mean? You were in terror, and then you were received, and you were loved. That's what it means. It, that's the experience, right? It doesn't need a meaning. It is a meaning. Can, if, okay, so... Here's the, the thing. It's easy to wake up and just experience a lovely dream. Mm -hmm. but when you have those dreams that are frightening to you. Right. In our normal human way of interpreting dreams, are we shutting off or, or ending the interpretation too early to actually get the fulfillment of what the dream is trying to evoke in us? What I advise people, to do when you wake from a dream is just stay in bed don't even move your body and try to stay in the feeling the dream brought you regardless of what the feeling is maybe your heart is pounding mm -hmm. with terror or maybe you feel this warmth of love or maybe you feel tremendous sadness stay in the feeling stay in it we don't interpret it we often say in our work i don't interpret dreams i bring them to life we bring them to life and we try to 
help that carry over into waking life. So, um, you know, this whole effort to interpret, you know, the word interpret means to come, you know, inter, the word pret and interpret means a price. So interpretation is a brokerage process where you set a price on your value, on your dream. Um, and it's a secondhand thing, right? You're, you're coming between the dream and the person who had the dream and you're offering a certain uh, meaning that they can live with, right? Mm-hmm. How about we just learn how to live with all of our feelings? You know, if you want to feel the deep love, you have to feel the deep pain. You can't, it's like taking a piano. Oh, I don't like the black keys on my piano, so I'll remove all of them. I don't like those flats and sharps. I'll just keep the regular notes, right? Well, if you do that, you're damaging the piano, aren't you? You're damaging the instrument. We need all of our feelings. Would it be fair to say then that the emotions that are that are evoked or that are, are, are being raised up in us as we dream, are they completing a circular loop of our waking emotions? Um, in some cases, uh, they're prompted by, you know, quite often we see material in the dreams that's prompted by um, some events in, in the previous day or in, in something we're concerned about. And what dreams always do is they, they reframe um, our thinking. So, you know, when you're, a problem's gnawing on you, maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it's a person who's you're not getting along with it or, you know, a child or a spouse or a, a loved one. But, and you're gnawing, it's gnawing at you. Then you have a dream in which this person appears and suddenly the whole situation is reframed imaginatively. And the dream gives you something new, a new way of looking at it that's entirely full of imagination instead of full of thought. All of our worrying and analysis never gets anywhere. But when a dream reframes um, our connection, it opens us up uh, to a deeper way of looking at, at what's going on between us and the other person. So that's, that's just one example. Um, is it fair to say then that um, we, we don't interpret dreams, we shouldn't interpret dreams, but we can obtain wisdom from the dreams? Dreams, um, yeah, I mean, well, obtain, I don't know, but we can, we can live from the wisdom in our dreams and we can live from the feelings in our dreams. I mean, to me, the beginning is feeling, okay? So, mm-hmm. but there are moments of wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. They come gradually. Um, there are certain moments, um, I, I had, uh, I'll give an example. Um, a client had a dream and in the, op, in the, in the beginning, she, she saw some vases and she thought in her mind that they were having a party and that she had failed her husband because she hadn't put flowers in the vases, okay? So, um, and then she said, so she was in what we call a reaction, a shame reaction. She was blaming herself, shaming herself. Oh, I'm inadequate. Oh, I'm a bad person. And then she consciously said, you know what? I'm just going to, in the dream, she said, and this is wisdom. She said, I'm just down and look at this phase. And she looked and looked. And suddenly she felt 
the emptiness of the vase and the sadness in herself, they rhymed. And so she saw the vase in a new way. And from that feeling of feeling her pain, she looked again and suddenly the vase was full of flowers and she felt the joy. So she moved out of her mind, out of her self-blaming reactivity. She moved into a moment of contemplation within the dream. And from that, the feeling could move from sadness to joy. It's only when we're in our feelings that we can move from one feeling to another. When we're in our reactions, we're stuck. So there are moments of what I would call wisdom in dreams that involve this practice that we do in natural dream work, a practice of contemplating the images and feelings in our dreams after we wake. We we give our clients what I call a homework, where we say, you know, go to this moment. Uh, You know, uh, a client of mine had a dream. He was a writer, and and the dream was, you know, he was, in waking life, he was, like, very... um, upset that his writing wasn't going well. In his dream, um, a beloved teacher came to him and said his name, and he said, you know, Alan, you have pages and pages within you. That was it. That was the dream. And so I just asked him to focus on that moment of feeling and of being, um, you know, reassured. And that, 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 that was the medicine in the dream. Um, the example I gave earlier, I might have her go back to the moment of looking at the empty vase and feel the sadness, and then look again and see the vase full of flowers and feel the joy of that new growth of feeling. So, it's fascinating. It's fascinating work, and it, it really is a different way. It almost takes the onus off of, of having to interpret and, and try and pinpoint what the dreams meant. That's not what we're looking for here. Um, It's such an interesting conversation. I want to take a quick break here, but we're just going to pick up right where we left off when we come back. So everybody, please stay tuned and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stopped on the front porch, six years old, watching dad walk out the door. Open your eyes, open your eyes, and dream again. One stopped when the doctor said you'll never have a baby of your own. Stopped after two attempts at rehab, couldn't help him get control. Open your eyes, open your eyes, and dream again. Dream again.
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking here with Roger Keminence, and we're talking about our dreams now, Roger, we sort of left off again in this 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 dichotomy or this this push and pull of interpreting dreams versus living out the emotions. And one uh, teacher of mine said something to me when we were talking about spirituality and the soul uh, that has always stuck with me. And she said that you know emotions are meant to be experienced, but they are meant to be something that's that's in motion. So obviously the big root of the word of emotion is motion. And Mm -hmm. she said that these feelings need to be experienced, flow through us and let go no matter what they are and not to be judged. And what you're saying really sort of brings me back to what she was talking about. And and you can correct me if I am, if I'm coming to an incorrect conclusion, but it almost feels like at some point and sometimes our dreams are sort of a continuation of maybe emotions that we haven't allowed to flow through us. And maybe Mm. we're experiencing these in our subconscious to help, you know, at a very basic level with our emotional health. Right. I, I, so let me make a distinction here and and maybe that'll help that in in our work, and this really comes very much at the beginning, but it, it goes throughout because we pay very careful attention to the movement of the dream. And we pay very careful attention to, um, the distinction between, a feeling and a reaction. So in the in the vase dream or the vase dream, I'm, I don't know how you all pronounce vase or vase. I think everyone <laughs> has their own interpret, like tomato and tomato. <laughs> 
Okay, good. Okay. I don't want to offend anybody. But in any case, just to be clear, that, that she began in a reaction. She saw the empty vase and immediately constructed a story. Oh, I'm failing my husband for this big party, right? And that's a shaming story, right? So reactions, that's what we call a reaction. A reaction is actually a response in this case to an image, an image of an empty vase that uh, um, uh, takes you away from the immediate encounter with whatever feeling might be there and adds a story, an old story really, about how I'm inadequate, unworthy, or whatever that conditioned response is that probably has a whole history going back to early childhood. By contrast, when she slowed things down within the dream and then could look again, instead of seeing the image as, you know, an indicator of her unworthiness, a reaction, having a reaction, she saw it as a feeling because an image is really actually a feeling. An empty vase for her was a feeling of emptiness and sadness. You see the difference? Mm -hmm. And when we feel the images in life or in our dreams, instead of reacting to them, then we're attuned, right? Whether we're awake or in our dreams to, to our feelings. And then everything in the dream begins to speak to us in the language of feeling. Um, so if she moves from shame, a reaction to feeling sadness, she was then able to move from sadness to joy. You see that? The, mm -hmm. the vase filled with flowers. Yeah. So what your teacher was saying, I would agree with, but I would, I would be a little different in saying it this way, that when we're in reaction, we're stuck, and we're referencing the same old story of ourselves. Blame, guilt, uh, shame, uh, reactive anger. These are some of the uh, stuck, things we get into, resentment, right, mm -hmm. jealousy, these are the ways we get stuck. But when we're free of story, which is the same way of saying free of interpretation, right, and we simply encounter the feeling inherent in the image or in the person we're encountering in the dream, then feelings do move. Feelings do move through us one after the other. Um, the same client actually once had a dream where she felt feelings moving through her body one after the other, like different colors. What mm -hmm. a beautiful image of how feelings move through us one after the other. It's only when they get stuck that they, they turn into reactions and have stories kind of wrapped around them. So interpreting dreams is limiting. It's, it's limiting our actual experience in our imagination and interpreting obviously is a mind piece. You need the mind to interpret. And I know one of the fundamentals of your appreciation of dreams is that it can lead to the soul and the strengthening of the soul. Right. right. How is that pathway walked down? Okay, good question. Um, so... Um, the, how to say it this way, um, you know, the, the, the Argentine master, uh, Jorge Luis Borges, 
once said that he was reading psychology books and he found them very disappointing because they talked about interpreting dreams and techniques working with dreams, but they never spoke of the most singular thing, the fact of dreaming. The fact of dreaming, the fact that each of us every night has five or six amazing experiences of imagery, spontaneous imagery that arise within us. And this is our direct experience of this ongoing, I call it the ever-evolving, this imaginative outpouring in each of us that's happening all the time, Kathy. I think even right this moment it's happening. If you just close your eyes for a moment, if you're driving, don't do it. But if you close your eyes for a moment, you can actually see images begin to arise. And certainly it's more um, clear and, and sleeping. Um, this creativity is really what's essential about us and unique about us. And this is what I would call soul, this ongoing uh, creative um, production of images in us. And so that's where dreaming puts us in touch with the soul because it gives us a direct experience of this creative, ongoing creative activity. It's, yeah, I was just closing my eyes and paying attention, but closing my eyes and seeing these images too. And, and just from our brief conversation, when you're not trying to label images and label everything, it's calming. It, it takes a load off, you know, it, it just to, to experience. And, and I'm not, you know, this isn't for the sake of the show, literally just letting things, you know, try not to say, well, this color means that, or how come I, you know, just letting it be, um, Right. It so, so restful. Good. Well, restful. that calm abiding with your dreams, that, that ability to be with your feelings in the same way, because images always carry feelings. Often images in our dreams are identities. Uh, for instance, um, I had a guy dream. He was, he was trying to impress this man who was I don't know, a famous person and they were flying a kite together. And, um, he was basically, quote, sucking up to him, you know, flattering him, saying false things. And of course, the guy wasn't really responding because the archetypes don't respond to that. Suddenly, the kite flew away and ended up in a tree all crumpled. Now, if we took the approach, what does the crumpled kite mean, right? Then we're interpreting. I didn't do that with him. I said, okay, Bill, um, look up in the tree and feel this broken kite in a certain way become this broken kite right and then he immediately got it mm -hmm. he got this sense of damage and brokenness you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. oh i absolutely he didn't interpret do. it yeah he felt it right so the opportunity you know um, um how we respond Bond other, you know, I gave an example in history last night's dream. I want to share it with you because it's about Freud's dream where Freud felt he discovered the secret of dreams. And um, in the dream, uh, one of his patients comes up to him and um, um, says, uh, basically, um, she's in pain. And Dr. Freud wants to examine her throat. He didn't want to listen to her. He didn't want to feel the pain she was feeling. He wanted to be the doctor. Mm -hmm. So how we respond to feelings and dreams and how we respond to the people we encounter really reflects something about our history of reactivity, which is another name for our history of conditioning. We've been conditioned by 
the damages put on us by others, by our own nature, perhaps, to move away from soul and towards, you know, being intellectual and knowing things and knowing it all. That's how we're trained. And we've lost the main thing, which is, is to live a life of feeling. This, this theme of getting out of our head and getting out of the mind to reach the soul is not new to listeners to the show. This has come up a couple of other times and it's, it's profoundly different yet you, you that it's, it's resonates the same. It's coming at us from different levels, but here's a question. A lot of us will wake up um, and you, you it's, it's a fact. And I know that we dream five or six times a night. You've mentioned this. Many of us wake up and don't remember any dreaming at all. So right. my question to you isn't what that means, because we don't want to right. do that. Right. My question is <laughs> that if we can relax in our dreams, not, you know, when we have them occasionally, when we remember them and we're not labeling them, if we do this, and this is almost a practice, a practice of, of not doing Will our imagination in our dreams become more active and will we dream more? Short answer, yes. Uh, engaging with our dreams, engaging with the images in our dreams in particular and feeling them rather than immediately and analyzing and interpreting them is, is the pathway back to direct experience of soul, which is, I'm saying the same as direct experience of this wonderful imagination working within you and everyone who's listening. Um, the, I want to loop back to the first thing you said just for a moment, that, that um, um, there is a role for the intellect in this. I'm not against the mind. I'm glad I have a mind. I'm glad you have a mind. We wouldn't have this conversation without it, right? So... But the, the proper role of the mind, if I could say it that way, is to allow contemplation. So I gave this example already, right? The, the client of mine who, who saw a vase and said, I think I'm going to slow down and feel this. She was using her mind to deliberately direct herself, direct her attention back to the experience. So if we mine our thinking with our feeling and support our feeling with our thinking, then thinking takes its proper place and is very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. That's where we have the wisdom aspect you were talking right. about, right? It's only when the mind is reactive and when the mind wants to go back to the ego scripts for us or the old stories about ourselves that we want to reaffirm, you know, the ego is very nervous because it suspects it isn't real, which in a certain way it isn't, right? So it's constantly trying to reaffirm itself with a new story that fits the old story. When we put that aside and let the true wisdom of the mind support feeling, uh, then we're becoming more aligned. We're growing with our dreams. Now, that's a long-winded aside maybe, but I, I wanted to speak to that. Not, not anti-thinking at all. Mm -hmm. nope. but, but the other piece mentioned was, it, you know, if you haven't been paying attention to your dreams, you're, guess what? You're normal. <laughs> You're like most people. Okay, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to go on this path a little bit, then my suggestion is get a nice notebook. And when you wake, don't, you know, don't use a clock radio, please. Don't, don't wake up to the news. Um, 
lie in bed for just a moment and just feel without moving preferably and just feel whatever feeling you have and if an image comes to mind perhaps that's the image from the dream write it down maybe it's just one image maybe you know i saw a rose you know i saw a a green plant growing that's all i remember fine write it down don't judge yourself if you didn't get like a a 3d movie okay that's not what remembering a dream means Remember, first of all, the felt image, right? And if all you can remember is just a moment, write down that moment. Over time, if you're patient, and it usually takes a couple weeks at the most, you will remember more and more. The dreams will notice that you're paying attention, I like to say, and they'll, you'll remember them better. The very act of remembering an image from one of your dreams seems to reinforce remembering your dreams in general. Um, could I give another tip? Oh, absolutely, because I, I need it. I literally, I don't feel like I dream more than once or twice a month. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yes, we need more dreaming. Okay, so another tip is to write down one of the dreams from your past that you do remember mm. and read it over a few times that day before you go to bed. That will also stimulate the um, memory of your dreams, right? The, the main thing is, so often, because in our waking life, we don't contemplate images very much. We don't, we've, we've forgotten the language of images. So the other piece is to take time every day to spend time with the feelings that the things and people we are with evoke in us. Let's say you're, you know, one of the things about interpreting, and I always say this story that, let's say you're walking in a beautiful redwood forest, right? And you're standing underneath a redwood tree and you're just taking in the magnificence, the height of this tree and how old it is and the quiet in the forest. And someone comes up to you and says, hey, Rod, what does that tree mean? Wouldn't you laugh? I mean, you say, what does that tree symbolize? I mean, I'm feeling it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so it's the same way with the images in waking life. Can we spend a little time? Well, I'm... I'm drinking a cup of coffee right now. I'm looking at the cup now. There's a little steam coming out of it and I'm holding it. What, what do I feel? Not what does it mean, but what, what do I feel? Mm -hmm. I feel something actually. If I we give shut myself those feelings a off a lot, eh? we block them. We're yeah, well, machines we going through the, the day. Thing. Yeah. I, I if, if you have the same dream uh, over and over again, like, mm. uh, you know, that, that wakes you up or that, you know, a dream from your childhood, as you say. Right. Again, I'm not trying to bring my mind into this too much. And this is a very, you know, this is a very selfish question because it's, it's you know, meant for my understanding. Um, if that dream keeps coming back, does that mean that you're not living through the feeling of it? You're not allowing that to work its way through you? It's did, did you want to share? Did, did you want to share this dream, Kat? I, it's, it was a dream uh, ever since uh, I, I was a child. And it, it's, it's about, I remember playing, you know, this was literally playing in the front yard with one of those old lounge chairs that the legs bent and we'd make a fort. And I always, you know, mm. I dream of always catching my hand on that, that, um, that hinge, opening and closing mm. that, and it would wake me up. And mm. it was a dream that lasted for years. I don't even know why, but mm. it just that hinge kept 
you know, clasping on my hand and I'd wake up and that was the end of, of the dream. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Nothing too deep. So I don't think, of, but. <laughs> oh, it is deep. No, no. I just a lot of feeling in that dream. Isn't there the, the lounge chair itself and, and what you sounds like you're you, that part of it just for the incident. Um, what's the feeling there? I mean, there seems like a feeling of from childhood on of, of play or what? It was play. It was fun. Was it was creative. It was cool. The door that right. the lounge that was the entrance into the, the the fort that we made with three or four of the chairs. Right, and then there's this pinching. This mm -hmm. it's a physical pain in the dream, isn't it? Yeah. It's I really probably vivid. had a pinched hand at one point while we were playing, but uh, it was nothing that. It was just it right. was this dream right. that just so keeps it, coming it, back. It, Right. So, so if we were working together, right, I would ask you to feel both feelings and the movement from the, from, oh, this is something I can play with. And then the pain. And I would just ask you to stay with the pain, just to feel it, to feel the reality of the pain in your life in that moment. And, and that's what the dream brings to you. And it brings you a way to, um, you know, because you wake up immediately, you're having a bit of a reaction. Maybe there's fear. I don't know what's, you know, what's driving that, but since you don't get to stay with it in the dream, you don't get anyone to help you in the dream. You don't get, um, you know, you remain alone in that moment. Um, mm -hmm. I would just stay with the feeling and yes. see if, if you did contemplate the feeling, which, you know, it seems like the images are really vivid for you. You could feel them again in waking life and just stay with them. And I, I, I can't promise it, but I, I will promise that mm -hmm. over time, if you practice that kind of contemplation, the dream will come back and continue. Mm -hmm. It's not done with you yet. Okay? It's not done with you. It was very so, interesting. It was never a negative experience I had. It was actually quite a lot of fun. But uh, just this pinching of my hand and I'd wake up. So that's interesting. So, it, it, you know, I haven't had it in years, but if it comes back and, and with all of my dreams moving forward, I'm not going to label. I am going to sort of wallow in them and see where it takes me. Now, your book. Right. I would say mm -hmm. your book, The History of Last Night's Dreams. Um, so beautiful. And it's, and this is one of many, many offerings that you have. You're, you're a prolific writer. Where can our listeners go to find out more information about you, about your, your natural dream work, the books? Where can we go to, to learn more about your work? Good question. So uh, my, my website is just my last name, Kamenetz, uh, K-A-M-E-N-E-T-Z.com. And that has sort of everything. I'm also on Wikipedia, so you can find me uh, there. Um, but in terms of learning more about natural dream work in particular, I would recommend our website, thenaturaldream.com. And it's full of um, articles, essays, some videos, interviews, not just with me, but with so many of our practitioners. We have a whole team, 15 practitioners from all over the United States, actually, um, and um, uh, doing work all over the world. So it, I really recommend visiting the site and uh, perhaps subscribing to our newsletter as well. So it's thenaturaldream.com. Wonderful. And all that information will be posted when the podcast comes out. Roger, thank you for enlightening me and in such a wonderful and lovely conversation. I really do thank you for joining us today.
Kathy, thanks for having me and, and it was a great pleasure to talk with you and really uh, felt a good connection. Yes, I, I did as well. And, and I've got work to do. Definitely. <laughs> Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.